No one comes to the Father but through Him. And this is why the gospel is the good news. Death no longer has any power over Jesus. Therefore, it no longer has any power over you. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. If you're believing for anything else from God, you're believing for small stuff. Inspiration for today. Let's pray together. Repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I ask you to speak to my life, that you'd minister to my heart, that you'd re- reveal your word to me today in a way that I can understand it, so that I can speak it and do it and see it change my life. Minister to me today, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So you can be the hero the world is searching for. And today we want to talk about the fact that um, humanity can't go against God's choice. I want you to realize that many of the things that you're looking at in the world around you today are situations where humanity wants to go against the choice of Almighty God. I want to just remind you from last week where we were looking at the fact that in Romans chapter 9 verse 9, for this was how the promise was stated. At the appointed time, I will return and Sarah will have a son. So the Lord will return at the appointed time. At the appointed time, the Lord will return and fulfill the promise. Now, here's the problem. The opportunities that God gives you are often masked by inconvenience. It often looks like an inconvenient situation. And that's a problem with an opportunity from God. If you look at what happened with the, the story of the Good Samaritan, there's a man, he's on his way from Jerusalem to Jericho and he gets robbed. And he's lying there and the robbers have left him half dead. All right, he's almost finished, he's almost kaput. It's almost over. Now, that man there was almost half dead. In other words, he wasn't dead. He was, if he's almost half dead, I suppose he's not even half dead. So he's maybe quarter dead. But he's bad. He's probably lying there unconscious. If the guy's a corpse, opportunity's gone. If the guy's alive, there's an opportunity. And so now... Two religious leaders come past. You know? The Pope. The Pope comes past. A really top guy. You understand what I'm saying? One that's really respected around the world. He looks at this guy and he walks over on the other side and he looks the other way actually pretending he never saw the guy. You see, if he never saw the guy, then at the end of the day, it's, <laughs> it's okay. It's okay that he never helped the guy. And then another guy comes and, um, you know, maybe that's the chief rabbi of South Africa. And he also, he suddenly looks the other way and he goes. And I was actually speaking to someone because you know who comes along next? And uh, one of the things that we saw is that the guys in the meeting that I was in, they have this view of Nigerians. So the guy who comes along now is the Nigerian. You know, the guy who's a pimp, everyone says he's a pimp. The guy who's a drug dealer, everyone says the Nigerians are drug dealers. Okay, no one likes the Nigerians, that's what they say. I like Nigerians, by the way. Okay, if you, if you, have, if you have empty shops in your shopping center, call the Nigerians, they'll fill it up. There'll be trade going on there, you understand what I'm saying? I like entrepreneurs, so I don't have an issue with the Nigerians, me personally. But South Africans, and even other people who live in South Africa that are not of South African descent... They don't like Nigerians. Now this Nigerian comes along that everyone looks down on. Now he's a pimp or a drug dealer or something like that. And he helps the guy. Because that's what the Samaritan was. To the Jews, the Samaritan was what the Nigerians are to the South Africans. And the Nigerians are the one that helps him. The Nigerian doesn't look the other way. The Nigerian takes of his own resources and helps this guy. Why? This guy is an opportunity from God. And this is not, a, not just a Nigerian, this is a godly Nigerian. Do you know that you can be of any nation, you can be ungodly. Do you know that you can be of any nation, you can be godly. 
there is no difference between race groups. You know, often yeah, that Zulus are very aggressive. I don't know if some people have heard that yet. All right? And then the Zulus argue and say, no, we're not. But we'll beat you up if you say anything. <laughs> I've met some pretty placid Zulus. I just have to tell you that. I've met some Zulus that are incredibly calm. And I've met people from many other of the ethnic groups in South Africa that are anything but, you know, calm. The fact of the matter is it doesn't matter what people group you come from. You can spot the opportunity of God, which is masters and inconvenience. This guy's been robbed. You can walk by on the other side and pretend you never saw. Or you can take the opportunity. You can start serving that guy. You can do what the Samaritan did and he applied, or so, or should I say, you can do what the Nigerian did and he applied the oil, which represents the Holy Spirit, and he applied the, the, the wine as a, as a, as a disinfectant which represents the blood of Jesus. You can do that. You can then take the guy to the inn. You can pay for the guy stay there. The inn is like consolidation, where you're consolidating this guy's faith. This guy was stripped of all of his dignity. He was stripped of everything that he had. And, and now what happens is you get to a situation whereby you've brought this guy back to life, and now you've got to consolidate his faith. You can get involved with that guy. And who do you know, or how do you not know that maybe that guy will rise up to be the president of the country? And if you helped that guy when he was down and out, how much influence would you have if he now became the president? He will forever be in your debt. God has mandated his church to heal wounds. It's a mandate. And God wants us to step up and be a voice to the voiceless. Now, I would encourage you, if you weren't here last week, to, to go and listen to what we spoke about. We ended with a declaration. I want to just read it to you. There will be no sadness in me because the Lord will comfort me. Come on, can we have a few more amens? Even if you're sad today, all right? Even if you're sad, even if things are bad, even if you're mad, even if you're anything but glad, all right? I want you to say that after me. Say, there will be no sadness in me. Say, there will be no sadness in me. Because the Lord will comfort me. And if you believe that, give God one big shout of praise here today. Amen. Now, I want to talk to you today about something that people don't want to accept. Humanity can't go against God's choice. You know, one of the reasons why I believe that evolution has been taught, they come from the words of a guy named Richard Dawkins who has been a very famous atheist who evangelizes atheism. He goes out and he preaches the good news of atheism. The good news that there is no supernatural, that this life is all you have, and that one day when you die, all you're going to be worth is being fertilizer for some daisies to grow up on your grave. That's the evangelical message of atheism. And Richard Dawkins actually organized an organization that would put adverts on buses in London advertising atheism. I'm so excited. If I get told that I have a terminal illness, I'm just going to become worm food. That's all there is to life. You know what he said? He said this. He loves evolution because evolution makes it possible for him to be an intellectually fulfilled atheist. So now, you're an ex-monkey. You and the apes are cousins. And why do people want to believe that? Why do they want to have no hope beyond the grave? Because guess what? then I can go against God's choice because I claim He doesn't exist. I want to tell you God made everything. There's nothing God did not make. And He has first choice in everything. And God is the King. And He's the King of a kingdom. 
And here's the news for you. A kingdom is not a democracy. It's a kingdom. In a true kingdom, laws are not passed by a parliament or a congress. In a kingdom, laws are passed when the king makes a decree. The king stands up and says, Yeah, ye, yeah, ye, from this day forward, the law shall be, bam. And that law comes into, into, into operation. The king's decrees become law. Today I want to talk to you about the king's decrees, and I want you to listen very carefully. Romans chapter 9, verses 11 to 26. And I want you to listen very carefully to what it says here. Because it gives us some very challenging thoughts. And in verse 11 it says this, Yet before the twins were born or had done anything good or bad, in order that God's purpose in election might stand, not by works but by him who calls, she was told the older will serve the younger. Just as it is written, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. What then shall we say? Is God unjust? Not at all. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. In other words, God decides if he's going to have mercy. And if you don't like it, go and jump. It's literally what, he's, what he says. And then it says, it does not therefore depend on human desire or effort, but on God's mercy. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, I raised you up for this very purpose, that I might display my power in you, and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. Therefore God has mercy on whom he wants to have mercy, and he hardens whom he wants to harden. One of you will say to me, then why does God blame us? For who is able to resist his will? But who are you, a human being, to talk back to God? Shall what is formed say to the one who formed it, Why did you make me like this? Does not the potter have the right to make out, the same lump, make out of the same lump of clay some pottery for special purposes and some for common use? What if God, although choosing to show his wrath and make his power known, bore with great patience the object of his wrath, prepared for destruction? What if he did this to make the riches of his glory known to the objects of his mercy, whom he prepared in advance for glory? Even us, whom he also called, not only from the Jews, but also from the Gentiles. As he says in Isaiah, I will call them my people who are not my people, and I will call them my loved ones who are not my loved ones. And in the very place where it was said to them, you are not my people, there they will be called children of the living God. Now the text verse that I want to share with you today is verse 15. He says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. Do you have a problem with that verse? Many people do. God says, hey, listen, if I choose to have mercy on you, I will have mercy on you. If I choose to have compassion, I will have compassion. But if I choose to curse you, or if I choose to harden your heart, then so be it. And I want to suggest to you that if you have a problem with this verse, then repent. Because God is the chief decision maker in the universe. Now, I, I, I will tell you, I don't believe there's anyone beyond receiving from God. But if, you've, if you harden your heart, God will harden it further to show His glory. There is that warning in the Bible. You know, in life you have opportunities, you won't have them forever. Somewhere along the line you need to choose to repent. And I want to warn you about this. God is a God of justice. And that's why it was such a big deal that Jesus came and died for us on the cross. God is a chief decision maker in the universe. We have no right to question Him. And so you might be saying, but that's so unfair. If you believe it is unfair, then I want you to remember the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross of Calvary. Let me tell you, if ever something was unfair, that was it. If ever it was unfair to someone, for someone to die for our sins, that was it. In Romans 9 verse 16, it says this. It, is not, it does not therefore depend on human desire or effort but on God's mercy. You know what that's telling you? Repentance is a gift. 
It is a gift that is way better than the most expensive birthday or Christmas present you could ever get. When Easter comes, it is a gift that is way bigger than the most gigantic, delicious chocolate egg that you could get. That taste that has all the tastes and all the flavors and all the sugars and everything yet has no calories. You eat that egg and you lose weight. Eat one of those eggs a day, you lose a kilo a day. Till you get to your goal weight. Ha, ha, ha. Repentance is a gift that is better than that. Don't take the opportunity to be forgiven for granted. God chooses who will serve Him. Now I want to tell you through the cross, He's actually chosen everyone. He's chosen everyone to serve Him. And there are plenty of other verses to show that. But even if He didn't, we're not able to question God. We do not know His mind. We do not understand what He understands. We do not see the the full picture. And every single thing that happens on the face of the earth, even those things we don't understand, guess what? If we could see what God sees, we'll be okay. For now, we trust Him. We trust Him even when life doesn't make sense. Now, I want to tell you what we learned from this. What we learned from this is God raises a people who who will act according to His will. I want to say that to you again. God raises a people who will act according to His will. In other words, God raises a people who will do the things that God wants people to do. In 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 35, listen to the words of the Lord. I will raise up for myself. Notice who God raises people up for. He raises them up for Himself. He doesn't raise them up for themselves. He doesn't raise, himself, raise them up for their good things. He raises them up for Himself. And what I want you to realize, as human beings, we need to get to the place where we realize we're here for God. God's not here for us. And when we realize that and we look at the cross, we look at what Jesus did on the cross for us. Man, it makes that gift even more of a gift. We we, we come to be even more grateful of what it is that the Lord did for us because He never had to do it. He owes us nothing. The World Economic Forum says you will own nothing and be happy. Amen? Topers next year say no, man. You know what God says? I set up the cross for you and you will own nothing. Not own, owe nothing. Come on, if you believe that, give the Lord a big shout of praise. Amen. He says, I will raise up for myself a faithful priest. Obviously, there's an unfaithful priest. And so he's saying, this unfaithful priest is going to be replaced. Why why was the priest unfaithful? The priest was unfaithful because his sons were sinning and he was doing nothing about it. I will raise up for myself a faithful priest who will do according to what is in my heart and mind. I will firmly establish his priestly house and they will minister before my anointed one always. I want to tell you about a woman named Hannah. A woman named Hannah in the Old Testament. She was a woman that was the wife of a man who had two wives. I want you to realize that um, there's a point where Hannah felt intimidated by the presence of of her husband's other wife. She tried to ignore the problem, but the words of the other wife kept reminding her of what her situation was. She was barren. She hadn't had any children. And the other wife had children. When you think about this barrenness, it means that someone is empty of the things that they desire. Someone is empty of the blessings of God and the world around them sees they are lacking. 
Now, who knows what you have hidden in your past, people would say, that God has punished you. For this is why you cannot have children. You must be able, you, you must be in a position where you're not able to have children because you've done something very wrong. And, and then she would have thought to herself, very soon my husband will realize what kind of a woman I am. And then the other wife would come along and say, very soon my husband will realize what kind of a woman you are and he will abandon you and look at you, you're good for nothing. So one day lunchtime approached and her husband comes along and lovingly gets close to Hannah. And when he gets close to her, he realizes that she's very sad and he asked her what was wrong. She doesn't answer, but Hannah can't stop crying. She refused to eat and she wasn't even fasting. She couldn't eat. And she didn't even want to go out anywhere. You know, when you're in a state of barrenness, you don't want to go out anywhere. You don't want people to see you. You just want to be alone in your room. And nothing could move her. And to be honest, her husband knew for sure what the cause of her sadness and her grief was. And so he released a word to her that he believed would encourage her. So you can imagine Hannah's there crying. And her husband comes along and says, and I'm not better to you than 10 children. I know what my wife would have said if I said that to her. Yo, you got an overinflated ego, my boy. I can see her going, and then he says that, and then, <laughs> you know, sometimes my wife says, husbands just say things that just make things a whole lot worse. They were bad. Then the husband speaks, oh my word, and now. Instead of motivating her, this statement, I challenged her. Because she began to think about it. How clever of him to say that he can replace his son when all his free time will be invested with the children of the other woman. However, today is the day where I will seek an answer from God because even though my husband loves me, there is nothing he can do to change my situation. Now Hannah looks around and the tabernacle is very close to her house. And so one day she goes quickly to the house and she goes to worship God and she prostrates herself before the altar. And she starts praying. And she begins to pour her heart out towards Almighty God. And, and while she's pouring her heart out at that altar, she makes a bold promise to the Lord. She says to the Lord, Lord, if you give me a son, I will dedicate to him to you all the days of his life. I give you a promise, Lord. Just give me a son and I will dedicate this boy to your service. After she finished the time of prayer, she felt that her, her spirit was, was strong and that the Lord had, had come and ministered to her, that He had encouraged her. Hannah had a great faith now. When you cry to God in times like this, God will build up a great faith inside of you. And the, the faith that she now had overcame the pride of her rival. And she conquered the love of her husband, and she gave birth to a son. And that son would grow up to be the greatest prophet ever in the nation of Israel. Hannah was the, mother, was the mother of the prophet Samuel. And she prayed continually for her son so that he would serve God faithfully in the house of the Lord. You know, my wife in the same way has, has prayed for our daughters. She's prayed for them constantly. And everything that they've attained, everything that they've done, is due in the most part, I believe, to the time of prayer that Vicky's invested in it. Never discount the power of a praying mother. Every word that she gave them, every verse that she would show them, every prayer that she prayed was a prayer with love. Even if they never thought so. 
And she still believes that each one of them will fulfill their purpose to serve the Lord. Now Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. I want you to understand, you are the masterpiece of God to do the things that God made you for. Jeremiah 1 verse 5 says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. God is saying the same thing to you today. He has appointed you as a prophet to the nations. He wants you to speak a, a word to the nations. And yes, what the Lord, I believe, is declaring to every one of us today, that God has raised His church to carry the most important plan. The most important plan of all of history. And we read about this in 1 Peter chapter, chapter 1, verse 10 to 12. Listen to this. This salvation was something even the prophets wanted to know more about when they prophesied about this gracious salvation prepared for you. I want you to think about what that's saying. So when, when, when the prophets of the Old Testament, like Isaiah, like Ezekiel and others, when they, when they prophesied about the gospel, when they prophesied about Jesus, when they prophesied about the church, when they prophesied about the forgiveness that would be available to us through the blood of Jesus, when they prophesied about the fact that we would be able to cancel the curses of the enemy by the blood of Jesus, they saw the salvation. They saw what we have. Now listen to this. They wondered what time or situation the Spirit of Christ within them was talking about when he told them in advance about Christ's suffering and his great glory afterward. They wondered about this. They knew it was coming, but they wondered about it. They never experienced it. And then it goes on, it says this, they were told their messages were not for themselves, but for you. And now this good news has been announced to you by those who preached in the power of the Holy Spirit and sent from heaven. It is all so wonderful. Listen to me. It is all so wonderful that the angels are eagerly watching these things happen. Do you know that in Ephesians chapter 3, the Bible says that the angels are watching the church of the Lord Jesus Christ to see what Jesus is doing on the earth today. Do you realize the magnitude of this passage. Do you realize the magnitude of what God has said before you in terms of what He wants you to be involved with? Peter is writing to the believers to explain that the prophets and even the angels in heaven longed to be part of the mission that God has given to us. The Great Commission, what a privilege! What a privilege! Elijah wished he could have your privilege. Samuel wished he could have your privilege. Moses wished he could have your privilege. Always remember that God has chosen you to preach the good news of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Stop questioning God about the choices he makes and start preaching the good news because the ultimate choice he made is in a shape like this. And no, it's not pirates. It's not this, it's this. You are part of the, 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 the plan. Of, so you are, part, you are the part of God's plan for redemption for all of humanity. I want you to begin to see the possibilities. And I want you to understand that the correct way to place yourself in the perfect purpose of God is to walk by applying the blood that was shed when they nailed his feet to the cross. You know, when they nailed his feet to the cross, the enemy thought he had canceled the purpose of God forever. But what he didn't realize that the blood that was going to flow from those feet was going to go into the church. And that every single person was going to have the purpose and the mandate of Jesus from that time until Jesus comes back. You're a part of the plan of redemption for all humanity. Romans 10 verse 15 says this. Listen to this. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. 
Some of you have heard me say this before. Look at your feet. Look at your feet and say, I've got beautiful feet. Come on, some of you think your feet are ugly. I don't care what you think about your feet. Those feet were created by God. Those feet are spectacular. Those feet are special. Look at your feet and say it with confidence. Say, hey, I've got beautiful feet. Look at your feet and say, I don't care what the world says about those feet. Come on, say, I don't care what the world says about those feet. I've got beautiful feet. Beautiful are the feet that carry the gospel. The Apostle Paul wrote this verse referring to all those who preach the gospel. In God's eyes, those who decide to focus their steps on His ministry are the ones that have beautiful feet because of the upward calling that He's called them to. Now, if you've been thinking that the ministry is not for you, I'm going to ask you today to allow the Holy Spirit to fill your heart, to touch you. Because you're the only plan He's got to reach the dead Samaritans of the world. Not the dead Samaritans, sorry. The guy was robbed. The guy, the Samaritan saved, yeah. You're the only plan. If you read the New Testament, there is no other plan. You're it. Look at your neighbor say, you're it. And with the blood of Jesus on your life, look at how much faith the Lord has placed in you. Many people are in need and are waiting for you to bring them a message of hope. And that's why you have the perfect resource, the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you and lie with you always, even to the end of the age. Our mission as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is to make disciples. It's clear. It's clear. You know that some people preach from that passage from Romans 9 and also from Romans 10 that God selects certain people to be saved and other people He selects to go to hell. Now I can see if you read those passages, I'm going to be honest, if you just read those two chapters, I can see how you could draw that conclusion out of there. But the opposite is also true that Paul's just saying there, what if? What if God chooses? No, no, for you, I'm going to harden your heart so that I can clap you so that those who I want to have mercy on can see my power in how I clap you and then they can see the power of how I love them except that in the gospel of Mark, Jesus said, hell was not built for people. It was built for Satan and his demons. Some people think that simply going to church is enough. That simply getting involved in certain activities and certain things is enough. Going to certain prayer meetings, getting involved in social projects, projects, being a champion of social justice. I want to tell you, all of this is insufficient. These projects are not going to save that guy that's been robbed. They're not going to. Jesus is calling us to be His true disciples. We're all called to be disciples of Jesus. <clears throat> when we're disciples of Jesus, we're becoming like Him. You see, the faith is all about who you're becoming. <clears throat> and I want to tell you this. In terms of your relationship with God, if you're not making disciples, your, your, your faith will get to a certain level. And unless you start teaching someone else, it can't go above that. If you go and you read <laughs> 1 Peter 1, you read, you read the rest of that passage. Uh, you know, I actually read it this morning, knowing I'm going to speak on it in, in, in the service. He actually speaks about the fact that when we teach others, God teaches us even more. The most you learn from the gospel is when you teach it to others. The most you learn from the Bible is when you teach it to others. I'll give you an example. And I, I know Vix has said the same thing. The time God gives you the biggest lessons about your own marriage 
is when you're counseling someone else's marriage that's on the rocks. Because now you have to begin to speak to the husband about what the Bible says his role is. And you have to begin to speak to the wife about what the Bible says her role is. So now if you're the guy that's speaking to the husband, you're telling him all the stuff you're supposed to do. And if you're a wife speaking to that wife, you're telling her all the things God's telling you you're supposed to do. <laughs> it becomes convicting. So as you're sitting here today, I want you to realize what it means to be faithful to the Lord is that you're doing what He wants you to do. That's all. You say, but I, I, just, I just don't feel it. Remember, <laughs> many people feel many things. And what's happened in modern society is people have taken feelings and made them God. I mean, today, what do we have? A man says, I feel I'm a woman. So now I'm going to go and swim and compete against other women swimmers in the women's event. And there's a woman, a trans woman. Some of us would, I mean, this, this, this woman grew up in high school as a man. And now they, in America, they, 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 they're smashing all the women's records competing against girls. Yes, and I thought all these non-Christians were about women's rights. You know, I, my whole life it was just women's rights, feminism. And now you've got Oaks swimming against girls in you know, a women's, and they're smashing all their records. And the women are competing for second place. And now when there's another guy, they're comp competing for third. And eventually it will only be guys swimming in the women's race. If I can't beat the men, I'll go and beat the girls. If I can't be the world champion heavyweight boxer, you understand what I'm saying? No, no, I'll just say I'm a woman and I'll box the woman. And I'll knock her out, eh? Yeah. Oh, I'm, a, I'm the champion. Ah, I'm just so glad to be a woman. I'm so glad to be the champion. Like six foot seven, you know what I mean? Can't beat the guys, beat the girls. Isn't that the religion of cowards? Because it's a religion. I mean, we don't believe there's such a thing as a spiritual environment, but I'm a woman trapped in a man's body. Seriously? If there's no spiritual, then how are you a woman trapped in a man's body? What part of you is trapped? Or the part that doesn't exist? Because you're most just an ex-monkey. Because the university teaches you so. No, Jesus loves me this I know, for the Bible tells me so. It doesn't matter what the university says. If you just think about what I've just spoken about, how messed up are the minds of the world? I want us to say a declaration this week as well. It says, I'm a faithful servant of God that pleases His heart. I will protect my descendants and they will serve Him. And so I'd like everyone to stand. Because somewhere along the line, we've got to start putting our faith in the Holy Spirit. We've got to start putting our faith in what Jesus did for us on the cross. And we've got to start declaring, even if, even if what we see in our lives tells us we're not faithful, somewhere along the line, we've got to start declaring in faith that we are faithful. That we do please the heart of God. And that because of our faith, we will protect our descendants. And never mind us, our descendants will serve God. Amen? Do you believe that? Come on, give a big shout of amen if you believe that. Amen? So, now's the time, eh, eh Vix, to get your loud on, eh? Yes, she said yes. And she's got those fancy glasses on. She looks so hot with those glasses. Don't know what it's got to do with the declaration, but I was distracted. Let's say it together. Repeat after me. Say, I'm a faithful servant of God. I want, you to, I want you to say it like you believe it. Say, I'm a faithful servant of God. That pleases His heart. He will protect my descendants. And they will serve Him. 
Can we say it once more? Amen. And I want you to say it every day this week. Every day when you get up, do a devotion. And when you finish the devotion, I want you to declare this over your life and declare it over your home, over every person that lives in your home. Amen. We're going to do this. Let's say it together. Say, I'm a faithful servant of God that pleases His heart. He will protect my descendants and they will serve Him. Lift up your hands and give a big shout of praise and a hallelujah to Almighty God. Amen. Amen. We're like Samuel. We are Samuels in this generation. Amen. We are special. We are set apart for God. We are here for His purposes. Amen. And what God has purposed, no one can stop. Come on, shout out. Say what God has purposed. No one can stop in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. No one can stop what God has purposed. No one. If God said it, it's, it's it. The only, the only person who can stop God's purpose for your life is you. Not the devil, not any people, no one. Because God said, if you will just work with Him, it'll happen. It's over for the devil. I'm just going to ask the worship team to come up quick. Romans chapter 10, verse 8 and 9. And as you're just standing there, I want you just to listen very carefully. to what the Bible says. It says, but what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to just see Jesus standing in front of you right now. And He has placed an altar before you. And at the altar He says, I've given everything for you. And now I'd like you to bring your broken life and bring it to me. He's saying to you, your eternal destiny is at stake. He's saying to you, don't struggle against me right now. I've been speaking to you. My presence is here. My heart is with you. Come right now because the place before you is an altar. And the altar sanctifies everything. The altar forgives everything. The altar cleans everything. The altar makes everything righteous. The altar redeems everything and breaks every curse. And when you come to the altar, you're coming before God. And you're saying, Lord, I want to give my life to you, Lord. I want to give my life to you right now. I want to commit to you this very moment. I want to submit my life to you completely now. I can't wait until later. Because I do not know if I will make it. Lord, I want to commit to you right now. I don't want to live eternity far from you. I want to know that when I walk out of this service today, that I am fine with you. That I am choosing from now on to live with you from this day forward. I'm choosing to live with you so that whenever my death comes knocking, I will be ready knowing that it will not affect me because I know that I will be with you for eternity. If you're here today, I want to know from you, are you right with God? Do not say I'll give my life tomorrow. You do not know if you have tomorrow. Get your life right today. Already today, there are people that have died that did not know they were going to die today. But God says, 
you can be right with me right now through my son Jesus. If you've got sin, you can come and throw your life before Jesus. He will wash your sin away. He will make you clean by His own blood. If you're here wondering, <clears throat> you know, I've, 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 I've almost felt like this, this message was specifically for me. Maybe you thought someone gave you notes, gave the pastor notes on your life. No, no, there was no notes for anyone's life in this thing. God has spoken to you through His Word. The Holy Spirit has been speaking to you while you've been hearing the, the words in, in the sermon and, and while you've been hearing the words from the Bible. <clears throat> the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you. <clears throat> he's been personalizing that message for you. And He's saying, don't wait another day because if you don't give your life today, you, you, you maybe will never get this opportunity again. God might be saying to you that today is the day of your salvation. If you don't give your life today, something will shut down and it will be over forever. <clears throat> if you feel you have no purpose, the purpose of Jesus is so powerful, so magnificent and so incredible that it carries forward into eternity. And so if there's anyone here, you either you need to give your life to Jesus for the first time. You've never given your life to Him. Or maybe today you're needing to recommit your life to Jesus. You've realized my life, I used to be close to Him, but I'm not there anymore. And the Lord has been speaking to me today. Whether you yell at one of the other sides, if one of those two describes you, then I'm going to ask you right now just to raise your hands. And we're going to pray with those. Yeah, or at the sides. If, you, if you're online, then just send us an email to info at activechurch.org. Just say, I've given my life or I'm recommitting my life. E email info at activechurch.org. And so we, we're giving people a life, a, an opportunity to give their lives right now. And so if that is you right now, just raise your hand. Whether you're here or at one of the other sides, just raise your hand. And we're going to pray with you. I just really feel that there's one or two people here the Lord wants to speak to. I see that hand. Is there anyone else? There's another hand. Someone is hesitating. And I just sense the Lord is saying to you, don't hesitate. You're not going to lose anything. What you lose is broken. What you'll gain is fixed. Is there anyone else? Just raise your hand. If you had one of the sides, just raise your hand. people, those that have raised their hand, if you can just come forward. Just come forward right now to the Lord. And if you haven't raised your hand, just come forward now as well. Just come forward. I just feel 
there is one or two other people that need to come forward. We're just going to sing. And what I want to say to you is just come forward. You know who you are. I'm happy to pray with just one person. But I just sense on my heart, there's one or two other people that need to come forward. And I'm just going to give one last time because we just we need to end the service. But um, I want you to realize that the Lord has given you an opportunity. Yes, someone coming. There's still one or two more. But uh, the Lord has given you this opportunity. And the opportunities of the Lord don't last forever. And so I really just want to encourage, if, 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 if the Lord's been ministering to your heart, listen, there's already two people here. Something breaks in terms of the, the devil's work over your life when you come forward. Now I also want to just say, if maybe you're standing there with someone and they're scared to come forward, then just come forward with him. Just come forward with him. God wants to do an incredible thing in your life. to say to those of you that have come forward it takes courage I know and I want to applaud you for that now I just want I want you all to look at me this is what I want to say to you right now okay this is what I want to say to you you know and I want to use an example from my life when a pastor gives an altar call do you know Frank you know he could look like a fool if no one comes so then what do I do I step out in faith okay if no one comes that's fine I'll be a fool for Jesus and then, okay, now only once come forward. You know what I mean, Frank? Only once come forward. Okay, let's just pray and get out of this thing because it's embarrassing. That's what, you know what I'm saying? But then I listen to the heart of God and He says, there's more people here that need to come forward. So then I step out and I say it. Because it, it's not for show. This isn't for show. This is, I'm, I'm serious about this. So then what happens? People come forward. That's what it is when you step out in faith. Okay? That's what it is. You step out in faith. Forget about what people have done. This is all about Jesus. And so we're going to pray now. And if there's anyone at the sites, I just believe there's one or two people at the sites. You need to come forward. I I don't need you to come forward. You need to come forward. If it's up to me, I'll end the service. But you need to come forward. You know who you are. And I'm just going to ask everyone to close your eyes. I'm going to ask all of you that have come especially everyone just put your right hand on your heart especially those that have come forward if you are at home just kneel before your screen put your right hand on your heart right now and I want you to visualize Jesus I want you to visualize how much he loves you that he died on the cross for you I want you to see how incredible that is how spectacular his love is for you how valuable you are to Him. That He'll take you with all of your sin. And He'll die for you. He'll die for you. It is unbelievable. He died over 2,000 years ago on the cross. And His work stands once and for all for all time it is the price that was paid for your sin come on those of you who come forward just say amen just say amen say I believe this I believe this and I'm going to ask you to mean this prayer as we pray it repeat after me say Lord Jesus 
Today I recognize that I'm a sinner. I repent of everything I've done wrong. I renounce my life of sin. And I accept your sacrifice. And I know that it was the price you paid for my redemption. And today, I ask, Lord, that your blood that came from your wounded body would wash away all my rebellion, all my sin. I pray that you would set me free by that blood of any sickness, of any pain. And I accept by faith that right now my debt has been paid. There is no outstanding balance with you. You paid everything for me on the cross of Calvary. I accept it by your blood. I'm justified. And you see me as I've never sinned. And I accept it by your blood. I'm sanctified, which means you've set me apart to serve you. And I want to serve you, Lord. And so today, I open the door of my heart and I allow you to come in as my Lord and my Savior. I thank you for saving me and for giving me eternal life. Thank you, Jesus. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God of earth and heaven And all the space between The maker of creation Is the maker of my dreams The God of endless glory And everything we see The same light that lives inside me is a lamp unto my feet He is good and He is perfect He's the life inside the verses When we sing a song of praise He is King and the Messiah Precious Lamb, the mighty Lion And His love
matter where I wander or how far I may go, if I search the highest mountains and all the valleys down below, you'll be the only good and perfect thing that I have ever known. Oh. Oh.